0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection today. We have a reading and we have a question that I chose to give this lovely individual a reading on because I know it's a question that so many of you have and it's something that we cover a lot in the podcast. It's something I teach on a lot and it's sometimes that I do private sessions on as well. And so I thought today would be really cool to address it from an individual's perspective because oftentimes we learn not just from teachings and learnings and channelings and all that good stuff, but we learn from each other's stories and each other's experiences. So Monica, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited for this one. So Monica, share what you'd like guidance on today because I know, but the listeners haven't heard that yet.
1: Yeah. So I'm on a journey. I've been on it for a while to um, just connect with spirit guides and my ancestors and whoever is around me. About six months ago, maybe a little bit more, I felt really heavy on my heart that it was my responsibility to end the trauma, the generational trauma. And I didn't really know what that meant or what I had to do. So I really started connecting with my mother, who's still alive, and her mother and my father's mother, because I just kind of felt it was very close to home, right? Okay. And through about six months and a lot of emotional work and a lot of dancing. Okay. I feel like I really connected with what that trauma was. And not necessarily the event, if there was one singular event or if it was just life, but just releasing the, the chains, basically, that I feel like a lot of women have had on them. And our generation is kind of the one of the first hit that won't be burnt at the stake for, you know, talking about that. Um, And I just found it very powerful. And obviously just wanting to be more in touch with their guidance. And, uh, you know, we know that they're around, they're in our hearts, like they're in our DNA, they're in our energy world. It's like, how, how do I tap into that more?
0: Right. Perfect. All right. So how do we tap into that guidance? And so I'm guessing from what you're saying that some of this healing work that you did, you feel you were tapping into your guides already. You're tapping into Mm. the women of your family line, correct? Yeah. And you'd like to even expand that experience and connect even further, deeper, and perhaps more consciously and intentionally. Yes. Perfect. All right. So when I tune into your energy, and I'm going to do that again oh, I get something totally different now that you started talking than I did when I tuned in before we hit record. That is so interesting. Ah, So the read that I have when I tune into your energy is one of sort of like... A fallen angel kind of energy, right? When I originally tuned in just to your energy before you shared your story, I just saw you with these beautiful flapping angel wings. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be really cool because you probably have that kind of connection with angelic beings. And again, when I teach about spirit guides, there are some people that differentiate. It's angels, it's loved ones. And sometimes it's helpful for us to have a label to put on something because our conceptual minds love labels. And sometimes it's through those labels too that, Because when you're in a human body and on the human journey, all of the associations that you have from this lifetime, from that lifetime, beliefs that you've had can become reactivated. Things that you learned in other bodies, like rituals that you learned, right, to reactivate them in another body, all of those things really do matter. And they're all important because everything's energy. And I'm going to try to explain this well. The conceptual framework in which we find ourselves with is energy. And it's part of the raw materials that we're working with here on our earthly journey. However, for me, I know that none of those things are truly the truth as our soul or our spirit perceives them, right? They're just what we are working with from our conceptual perspective when we are in human skin. And so for you, that was just a little caveat, I guess. For you, there's a lot of connection with angels and there's a lot of connection with the idea of angels. And there's a lot of connection with this idea that when angels came to earth, this is how it comes through. It's almost like, you know, a bird that is flying high and then it gets blood on its wings. And after a while, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier from all the pollution and all of the hard, heavier energy on earth. And all of a sudden that angel, that bird can't lift its wings anymore. And so that's the image that I have of the fallen angel. And that energy is something that you're working with through your ancestral line, but also for you. I don't do a lot with ancestral healing. I'm all for it. And and I'm all for whatever resonates with you. But for me, I really see it's even deeper than that. It's even this idea of when I bring my angelic being to earth, and really we're all angels in my mind. I see everyone is an angel. I don't differentiate. I believe we're all angels walking on earth. Uh, One of my favorite channeled books is Emmanuel by Pat Rogast. And he refers to everyone, all humans, all of the audience or the readers of his book as angels. And that's the way I personally see it. We're all angels. Mm -hmm. There's no differentiating, but again, you go where your mind wants to go. When we bring that beautiful, our beautiful like to earth, Over time, you know, we're here and we're this beautiful light and we want to shine and we have this naivete and this beautiful energy that we want to share. But up until now, the earth energy has been really dense. It's been really heavy. And so sometimes over a while, it becomes really heavy and we start to shut it down. We start to close it off. We start to participate in the heaviness in a way that our true divine celestial being. You know, didn't really anticipate or expect, or you know, you might have known, but when you get here, it always feels different. It's kind of like birth. When you do it, no one can explain it to you, but when you experience <laughs> it, you know, it's it's intense. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say as the mother of two. So, are you with me so far? Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, some of the work that you've done already, you probably recognize and what I'm saying has been to to heal some of that and to release some of that and to release some of those burdens of how your light over the generations has been misunderstood and sometimes even to some extent used and abused by humanity, okay? And by other humans on the planet. And so I think that's a big step forward. I think it's going to help you in your work. I think it's going to help you in your life. And I think it's going to help you too. Uh, You're not quite there, but you're getting there step into your own truth and your own authenticity more, like not have to have a story about who you are or why you're doing things or just like, it's going to free you up to be who you are, which I think is something that on the one hand, you'd probably tell me I've always been a strong willed person and I always did exactly what I wanted. But on the other hand, I see that you did at times and at times you didn't, but even when you did, there was always a little page folded over. Is this okay? Is this safe? Am I good enough by being who I am? Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of where you're at. And that's sort of what you're working on right now, if that makes sense. And when you bring in the question of spirit guides, my friend, part of it is a question am I worthy of of connecting with them? Right. And I don't think your mind says, oh, I don't think that I'm worthy, but I do think that there's just a little bit. There's a little bit of frustration that we all feel when we come into earthly skin and we're like, you're used to being totally loved unconditionally, totally supported unconditionally. Everything's easy and joyous and and we have a desire, we have a dream, and then we flow into that. Now, that is not the experience that most humans have on this planet. And particularly when we come to love and the idea of loved, being loved, um, it gets a little wonky oftentimes on earth. It doesn't have to but up until now it has been. And love is often very conditional and there's a lot of annoying conditions and they're surprising conditions to our unblemished soul. And they're conditions that if we're not careful, they start pinching us in certain places. And we start to think rather than thinking like the conditions are wrong, we start to think like, Oh, I must be sticking out too much there because I'm getting pinched. Right. And so we contract even further. And the more we contract to avoid the pinches, right. The more we lose touch with our light. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And you're at a point now where you're ready to sort of shake it off, step into who you really are, but it's scaring the pants off of you is what I see. It's scaring the pants off of you. And my brain keeps wanting to go back to the question of guides because that's where we started. (laughs) But (laughs) but again, my guidance just said, call the lady with the guides question because she's the next best person to be on your show. So, but they say, actually, the guys actually say, go ahead. When you distrust the process of life because the people that you've cared about have maybe not been there for you in the way that you wish that they were, consciously or unconsciously, because in life you got pinched in directions that you didn't expect it, because when you shared your light with the world, the world didn't reflect it back to you in its full magnificence, right? We can start to distrust the spirit world as well. And we can also begin to distrust our own ability to connect back with our true essence and connect back with our own true being and our spiritual guidance. And I think that's what's going on for you, Mm -hmm. okay? I think it's a little bit of bruisiness around all of your connections, but I also think it's a deeper distrust for this process of life. And so you don't always trust yourself to hear the guidance and you don't always trust the guides. And sometimes you might be a little upset at how life is going and be like, well, if you guys were there, then, then how come you're not showing up? Does this resonate? Yeah. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Just checking. And I've told this story before on the show, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it's, it's really important. And it speaks to that disconnect between our humanity, which always feels like it's on an island all by itself with no support, you know, yeah, and our higher self, which is always there always there it's the sun shining it's the coconuts on the tree it's the fish that are swimming around in the water that are ready for you to grab them and cook them and eat them but like you're just feeling when we feel forsaken like all we see is our tears all we see is our pain we don't we don't see our blessings and that is a fundamental part up until now for many people of the human experience and one that you don't have to be defined by you just have to recognize it's there love the part of yourself that might sometimes get you know get the shutters put down in front of their eyes because of that, but also you don't have to get lost there, mm-hmm. right? Because you know that even though it's a normal part of my experience, I don't have to believe that part of my experience. I don't have to believe that story, yeah, right? It can get activated from time to time. When it's activated, I love myself through it. If it feels really, really challenging, I don't resist what's happening because that doesn't solve the problem. But I, I understand that I don't have to believe that either because I know that there's more right? Even if I can't see it right now. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Right? So that guy sitting on the island is thinking, I don't see my spirit guides and I'm getting hungry and the sun is shining and I can't figure out how to get this coconut down, but I trust. And in my trust, boom, that coconut falls through the tree. It cracks just enough that he can get a sip of that, of that beautiful nectar. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's actually how life works. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. And talk more specifically about your guides because you have some guides that are coming for that want to be introduced. And I see at least one of them you worked with through this ancestral healing thing. I see a woman, She I don't believe she's in your family line unless I know you're in Hawaii. So I don't know if this is part of your ancestry or not. I'm getting not, but she has very creased skin. She is darker in color than you are straight black hair feels almost like a native American or something along those lines in her lineage. She describes herself as a wise woman. One that said that she practiced seamlessly throughout most of her lifetime, sort of just doing the things that she did almost like a medicine woman, midwife kind of thing, a uh, native healer, very connected to the land, very connected with, they wouldn't have called them herbs then But the natural remedy, she said, the remedies of the earth. So sometimes that would be like peyote or that kind of thing. And sometimes that would be the nectar of a coconut. Sometimes that would be the leaf of a plant or doing something particular with soil that came from a particular place. She's showing me, you know, she's like, even where you put the fire and how you made the fire, like all of these things mattered. It was a very, very complex dance to understanding our inner relationship with the magic of the earth, um, which is something that I think has been lost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an art that we are just rediscovering now, but not completely understanding just as of yet. Um, But she really did. And she said she did this for a long time without really having to worry about how it was perceived. She was aware that times were changing. She was aware that the white man and even her own men, the men in her own tribe, or again, tribe wouldn't have been the word that was used at the time, but her own community, that's the word that she likes. And even her own community was shifting and changing just by association of what was happening around them. So she understood it as sort of the whispers of the world and the change of the world. She didn't blame the white men that were coming. It wasn't about that. She understood because she was so connected. I love this wisdom that um, everyone was connected to this change, but she was seeing it in her own community too. And she, she had the deep knowing that there was going to be a period of time when things would shift to such an extent that her gifts would no longer be welcome in her very own community. She was prepared for it. She was aware of it, but she says that she knew it before she came into a body and the veil for her was not as thick as the veil was for you and I, when we came into our bodies, she knew what she was about. And had a lot of nurturing along the way to continue on that path because there was very strong teaching around this lineage. But she said that when it happened, when it hit, it was very, very stunning and surprising for her. Okay, you knew her in this body, you knew her in this lifetime. You were a cousin or you were a relative, not direct, but you were of the same lineage, of the same background, and you had a very prized connection. She really thought you were a beautiful young soul, and you were. She nurtured you. She taught you. You were an apprentice of sort, even if you were not, you actually were designated to take over her work. And yet she always knew that you wouldn't really be able to. Oh, you just got to chill. She always realized that you wouldn't be able to. And she knew that, but she couldn't tell you because it was not part of your knowing to understand the changes that were coming and that you were going to move into a very different world than the one that she had created. And she tells me, and I see you reacting to this, so are you okay for me to keep going? Yeah. She tells me that the hard part of not being able to tell you what she knew was coming for you, and she she was really your guide, but in a physical body at this point, was that she knew there was a strong possibility that when she left the planet, you kind of left the planet together, but it's hard to explain. Well, she left the planet first because she knew... What was going to happen, but she was also kind of driven away. (laughs) And I don't think you realized that. But when you took over, she said she knew there was a very real possibility. And this is what happened that you would think that you weren't good enough to fill her shoes rather than understanding that those shoes didn't fit anymore. They didn't fit the world. Like there was nowhere, (laughs) like those shoes, there was nowhere to stand right in those shoes anymore because the world was changing. And you were moving into a time when you were almost destined to fail. And she knew that and your higher self knew that, but your human self didn't. And it set off a series of lifetimes in which you have explored the limitations of how you can express your light through physical incarnations. Mm. Okay? Mm. That was a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) I want to pause because they're not done and she's not done, but does this resonate with you? Yeah. Okay. And does this resonate with the work that you brought up in the beginning that you did?
1: Yeah, to a certain extent, I would say that I'm the only one of my known lineage that would be willing to omit certain
0: powers and knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The rest of them are close to it. And because they're close to it, it's not really theirs. Like they may dabble in whatever, but like it's you. It's you were meant to be born into a family line that denied their own heritage. Mm -hmm. That was part of what happened in this lifetime, right? It was a quick, like all of a sudden 360 turn where you went all the way around uh, 180. That's the one. (laughs) It was like a total shift in the other direction. And it was heartbreaking. It was shocking. And you lived a bit longer in that lifetime too. She left because she knew she couldn't continue. There was no place for her you were more equipped to do it, but you would never be able to do what she did because there was no longer the receptivity in the culture for it anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you probably also saw a big shift in terms of it switched more to male dominance. It switched more to medicine women being put off to the side. It switched more to wanting guidance on war and at the time, male oriented things, not thinking that men are always warriors, but, and even the idea of warrior warriors to be a much more balanced thing. I've always been shown in indigenous cultures. It didn't become as egoic, you know, until this period of time that we're looking at now. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was more harmonious. I can't describe it. We're not going to go there right now, but I just want to give the men listening some understanding too. (laughs) So, but it was the beginning of that shift. And so um, you were not meant to be born into a family of women that owned their women's wisdom and their women's mojo, but it's always been important to you. And that's what you want to do. But what they want me to tell you is don't be defined by the lack, right? When you did that healing work, don't be defined by the lack. Don't be defined by what you perceive was wrong with your family line, was wrong with your lineage, because that's all your projection of what you thought was wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Right back in that first lifetime, rather than understanding that things were shifting and changing and that you are actually the perfect person to take over during that shift because you were at the exact right place to benefit yourself and others through that experience. Whereas your mentor, this medicine woman was not. Now, the good news is, is she is still with you. She is still around you. You feel her energy. You felt her energy your whole life. She's still mentoring you and guiding you through all the work that you will do. And she will not leave you while you're in this physical body because she also has, you know, some responsibility and also the joy of continuing to mentor you, help you grow and continue to move the seeds forward because we've come to a time now where we're reconnecting with some of those things that we knew way back when. And she said, even then, you know, it's almost like She's giving me the analogy, Monica, that when we come into a physical body, right, and we forget everything that we know, and then that process of discovery is where we expand and what's so powerful and so important. They're showing me it's the same thing for her. She came at a time when it was easy or easier. And then it got really hard. And now this energy is coming back at a time where, you know, it's going to be so much more powerful because of the distortions that it had to work through to become more expansive. Okay. That's the only way to describe it. But does that resonate? Again, I feel like you got a little chill. Yeah. So I think it did. (laughs) Okay. Now I want to pause because um, this was heady stuff and I'm loving it. I hope the listeners are loving it. Um, But I want to know specifically, how does it land for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it massively resonates because, so I dealt with fertility issues at the age of 27 and at the age of 30 was told there was nothing I could do about my situation. Sorry. It's okay. And um, in the doctor's office, you know, when they were just saying, just go try another round of IVF, something was there saying, BS, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. There's other ways. Okay. A very long story short, I ended up getting pregnant naturally after I holistically, radically changed my whole life. And everyone around me thought I was insane. You know, they really thought that I went mad and I wasn't doing anything crazy, right? Like I just literally found my food intolerances and I de-stressed and... I got connected with my mental and emotional health, you know, like it wasn't, I wasn't dancing naked underneath the moon every night, which I'm sure would help. Hey, nothing (laughs) wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, you go for that too. Um, But it was just kind of, like you say, like a very normal holistic way that I know was the norm. Even like, I don't even feel like I have to go back that long
0: right? 100, 200 years ago. You don't have to justify it to anyone else but yourself because your truth, yeah, whatever that is, is yours and yours alone. Meaning for someone else, they might get pregnant eating McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I don't know. For you, something told you this was the way to go. You followed it. It worked, it resonated with you, it felt right for you. And so this part of your life isn't owning your truth and understanding too. The world is now at a place where there's going to be plenty of people that are going to vibrate with your wisdom, just like there are people that vibrate with mine. There's also people that people that I know and people that I don't who, you know, are gonna to listen to this podcast and go, meh, you mm-hmm. know, or I don't know. Hopefully it's just meh. And that's fine, <laughs> man. <laughs> because my only job is to do me. And if in doing me to the best of my abilities and having a blast doing it, other people benefit from that, then that is actually what my soul most wants to be here to do. Yeah. And you know, now is a time when it's easier to do that freely because the collective energy on the planet, right? Though a lot of souls are not living at this level, enough souls are that it's ready. It's ripe. It's time for us to be able to step into our power again and to sort of reconnect with some of these lost arts, but also we're not going backwards, Mm -hmm. right? It's not going backwards. First of all, the guides say these energies have been here the whole time, right? Nothing has really changed. It's just a matter of during different periods of time, the perspective became wonky, but the truth has always been there, right? It's just like, if you look at the sun, right? The sun, especially in Southern California, but really anywhere, right? It's always there, Sometimes it's cloudy. Sometimes if you're not living in Southern California, it's stormy. Sometimes it's snowing. So the weather changes, right? The weather on the planet has changed, but the sun's always, always true. Mm -hmm. So that's the first part. But the second part is that it's normal. When we bring our light into this, this is where we start. We bring our beautiful light into our bodies and into this world. And other people just want to cover their eyes because they're not ready to see it yet. Or it illuminates the wrinkles on their skin. And they're like, turn that thing down. I don't want to see those right now. It's normal to think that we're wrong, but we're not. Mm -hmm. Right? And the real dance is being yourself and allowing that from that all good things will flow and you don't have to worry about anything else. And we're at a time now where that is really open and available to us. Yeah. So, to reframe your experience with the pregnancy, it doesn't matter what they thought, it matters what you experienced and what feels right and true to you. And other people will love that story and say, I want to try that too. What a great way. IVF is really painful and uncomfortable and expensive, and I don't want to do it anymore. I want to, I want to like find out a little bit about what Monica did. Mm-hmm. And other people are going to be like, I need to do IVF because that's what my doctor said. And that's what I feel comfortable with. Yeah. And that's okay. Neither one of you is right or wrong. It's simply a matter of following your own North Star. Yeah. Okay. And that's what this guide is here to do for you and with you. And she has a name and she would like me to know if you can intuit or guess her name, whatever comes into your mind.
1: Um, the first thing that popped up was the letter C, but that's it. Okay.
0: I love that. And is that enough for you to start with? Um, yeah, if there's more, I'm always
1: willing to open to more, but no, that's. Do you have a favorite C name? (laughs) Uh, no, (laughs) I don't.
0: (laughs) I always believe that the guides, sometimes they'll give us a name. That was the name that resonates with us. Uh Uh, But sometimes they're happy to have whatever you want to call them. And it's interesting because she's given me a lot of names and she's laughing really hard at some of them. She's like, call me Cassandra, call me Cleopatra. She's like, I really like Cleopatra.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll sit with that and resonate. Yeah, it's funny now that I'm thinking of it. It's obviously very subconscious because my mother's side, all of the kids are C names. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. She also likes the one Cleopedia. Cleopedia. Okay. <laughs> okay. Again, but you'll know, you'll know what it needs to be. And she also says, you may get a name, something like, this is not exact. She who walks of the stars and moons, and like it might be something like that. She says, she's telling me that in this lifetime, she was known as the woman of the stars. Nice. That's beautiful. Okay. And yeah, you feel that. Mm-hmm. And so that would be fine too, but you had a different name that you called her and it may have been a C name and it might've been an honorific like mother or mm-hmm. teacher or something of those lines. Okay. So it might not be a word or a name that sounds familiar. If you get it, you get it. If you don't. Yeah. And she says, to pay attention to the whispers, because I often speak in whispers. I'm very, I can be very quiet, very subtle. And I don't know what you do for a living, but if you do any kind of healing or helping work, she works with you there too. And she's also saying, with the dancing, she was like, the dancing was a big part of the work that we would do. Mm-hmm. And dancing back then was understood. You have some ideals of, you know, the woman, wild women, whatever resonates with you, my friend, you do that. But I want to differentiate that between the truth of what you were doing in this body so that you can really feel into it. In this body, you would move your body with the harmonies of the earth and the harmonies of the stars and like the moon, the stars, the winds. It was about aligning with and becoming for those moments with your physical body, the deeper energies of the planet. And I didn't even say that exactly right but it was almost, you could feel the energy of the moon cycles. You could feel the energy of the stars. You could feel the energy of the wind, of the earth, of the air, of the water. The elements were really, really big and you would move into that. And in so doing, you would realign your energy. You would realign your energy. Does that resonate?
1: Mm
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes there was howling sounds that you would make. Sometimes there were other things. And sometimes there was plant medicine involved. Uh, She said, we did a lot with plant medicine and a lot with what you would call today herbs. I see big cauldrons boiling. And um, sometimes it was just to make a stinky smell. (laughs) And sometimes we would actually drink the potion or drink the poison. We would call it the poison, but it wouldn't kill you. So all that was part of the experience as well. She tells me she very rarely drank the plant medicine herself because she didn't need it, um, but she knew how to prepare it, okay? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if any of this resonates with you, but she's very much with you. But she's also saying, as there is a mother, there's also a father, and she's asking me now, would you like to meet your primary male guide because you have one of those two. Mm, yeah, yeah okay and he also feels like he comes from a native american lineage though not this lifetime one much 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 further back and it feels like it comes from a star galaxy and they're showing me him his picture in they're not hieroglyphics but they're pictorial i see a wolf i see a star and i see the harvest like a a wheat okay does that resonate with you it feels like it did physically mm-hmm. And that's how you'll know him, he says. And he smells to you like a wheat field after the summer rain, okay? For some reason, he says that's how you'll know him, like a wheat field after a summer rain. I have no idea what that means, <laughs> but it's a beautiful image. Does that resonate with
1: you at all? Yeah, it definitely just um growth. You know, I, I think just like really connecting with the seasons and, you know, the whole cycle of that. I think wheat fields... Traditionally, just stand uh, very
0: strong, don't they? They were very important in many aspects of life. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's very, very, very powerful. And for you, I don't know if this was on tape or we did this before we started talking. We were talking a little bit about gluten and not wanting to talk about gluten, which we will only talk for a few <laughs> minutes about gluten, but it's such a metaphor because you know, some of these sacred plants, like I'm sure that I don't know this, but I bet you, you do that something like wheat was probably considered a sacred plant at some point in time. And he's definitely showing me how it was. And he says, I was not a farmer, but he said, even the uh, practice over time of thrashing the wheat, you would have a special device and it was sacred. It was sacred. The harvest was sacred. Mm -hmm. And he said, so he understands that It is offensive to your sensibilities now that modern man has taken over the threshing of wheat by putting chemicals on it and killing it and threshing it that way. And he says, it serves as a potent, powerful metaphor of some of the confusions that your humanity is dealing with right now. But what he wants you to know is it's time for you now to grieve the loss, to understand that all of humanity is not not back at home yet right? But as the guiding force is one of those who is going to, without any, this brings up fear for you. It's not to have any fear. It's simply walking your own light. You don't have to prove anything to anyone else. You don't have to tell anyone else what they have to do unless they ask. And then they still don't have to do it. It's just your your perspective that you're sharing, right? Ah, but anyway, he said, you know, now is the time to honor those ancient traditions and understand that we're all coming home and that we're building something even better. Mm. Right. And we're going to learn too, that some of it was ritual. Some of it, we first, we did the wheat that way because we loved it. Then we did the wheat that way because we were afraid what would happen if we didn't. Then we thought that we had to teach others to do the wheat that way, because it gave us power to be the one who knew how to do the wheat. And now, of course, we have the the greed coming in and saying, you know, we don't even care about the sacredness of the weed at all. We just want to make money, right? Controlling the product, the crop, mm-hmm. right? And so understand you who holds a piece of the initial sacred wisdom, you're the caretaker of some of that. You and many, many others, you know, keep that truth in your heart, but also know that it's, it's always been there. It's always been there. There's always been those of us who held it. And it's just like a very, very fragile seed that's in your hand. And you know the time is will be ripe soon where you can start planting those seeds again in the places where are fertile, in the places that are protected, in the places where those seeds are ready to grow. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. And you don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing either. Because if you've ever tried to plant wildflowers in a field of weeds, right? Eventually when you plant enough of those flowers, they take over, but we don't have to rush it. In the meantime, just plant them in the gardens where they want to grow Mm -hmm. and that will be enough. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hope you're not going to tell me that you're a farmer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it completely resonates because I had this wisdom, I would say probably seven, eight years ago now. And, you know, Like, I'm sure, as you know, like people really, really at that time thought I was crazy. And now that I've made it a career and finding that balance of just speaking my truth. And if it resonates with you, it resonates if it doesn't. But it's that um, I think the fear comes in, especially with the last two years of our life of, let's just say, either the corrupt power or the brainwash majority they have done a very good job of the whole cancel culture so it's that kind of like how much do i say where do i go with it how do i use my unique voice how do i plant my seeds in a way that i won't come get the lawnmower put on, put on me right
0: exactly
1: i think that's where my if you feel fear or anything that's where it comes from
0: now. That's so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. That comes from an unconscious belief that I won't be safe Mm. until other people believe the same way as me. Okay. I want you to try that on. I won't be safe until other people believe the same way as me. When we feel completely true in our truth, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter Yep, You felt that too. You are a feeler. Right? It doesn't matter. So remember that. You don't have to worry what other people think. That is their truth. And you don't even have to worry about what they think about you. I don't share everything that I think or do or believe with every single human being that I encounter because some people, it's not going to land in a way that I want to have a conversation and that is totally fine. But I also do my very best not to feel diminished when I know someone's judging me or they don't agree with me or they have, because that's their thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: right. And I know that as long as I feel safe in my own truth, I am safe in my own truth. So that's where I'd love for you to be. Yeah. And if you find someone else who's had their wings clipped, right? you can you can take them under your wing and say, I know that hurts. I know that's hard, but you don't have to blame the enemy. You can simply help them come back to their truth. because like we started at the beginning of this, um, before we went on live, we're not live, but before we hit record, that's the one, you know, I said, my job is to bring your truth back to you. That's the job of any helper healer, right? And sometimes my experience is relevant, you know, and I'm happy to share that. And sometimes I think it's relevant and you might go like, what is she talking about? It's rare that that happens because I'm usually listening to my intuition before I share, but it doesn't even matter. Like it is what it is, but the deal is that you know, I honor that I'm the vessel, I'm the vehicle. I'm here to help you find you. And then at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me at all. Yeah. Does that make sense? And yeah. I think that that will help. And you'll start to, because the more you identify with a perceived enemy, the more strength you give that enemy and the more you disempower yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and you're so powerful. Why would you do that? You're safe. You're okay. You're beautiful. And your truth is true for you. Their truth might make perfect sense for them. Right. Yeah. All right. I hope that this was as fun for you as it was for me. And I think other people will really enjoy listening to this as well. I'm wondering what kind of comments and questions we're going to get. So I'm excited to see where this goes. I also want to remind you that you have now had a powerful reconnection to two of your guides, and I think both of them resonate with you. So I would spend some time getting to know them and I would spend some time dialoguing with them when you're walking. Oh, I see where you live. It's stunning. Are you by a waterfall? I see a waterfall somewhere. Am I making that up? I have a lake in front of my house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but something moves. It's so pretty. We don't have any waterfalls around us, but I mean, yeah, Hawaii's covered in waterfalls, but... Okay. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. You know where you are. <laughs> Whenever there's beautiful places to go. When you find yourself in your natural places, that's a great place to have the conversation with your guides. You can ask to talk to them in your sleep before you go to bed, when you journal. And I see that if you don't have this already, you may want to have it. It's a very particular journal. It almost looks Native American or Native Hawaiian, and it has a feather in it or attached to it, okay? I don't know if the feather, like there's things pressed in it, so I don't know if you have this thing already or if this thing is going to find you, Um, but that would be a beautiful place for you to start to record the word that comes through your sacred musings. Okay. And don't have any expectations on yourself, getting it right, getting it wrong, because I, the last thing I'm going to leave you with, wherever you are now, whatever you're doing is just right for you in this moment of time. So if we trust that life has put us exactly where we need to be, how we need to be, because we need to be there and that we ask to just do our best to flow with that to the highest degree possible, we are doing everything that we need to do to our highest potential in fulfilling our mission here on earth. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. This was an honor and a pleasure. All right. And um, to everyone listening, I I can't wait to hear what you all take away from this episode. It was so much fun. Remember to, if you want to connect with your spirit guides more, I do offer one-to-one readings and sessions just like this for clients all over the world. I have a class on my website. I don't remember what it's called, but it's it's a very low price point that takes you through a class on how to connect with your spirit guides. I do live teachings all the time. Uh, in my Facebook group and through Zoom to people all over the world. And yeah, I think that covers all the ways that I can support you in connecting with your guides. And also there's a few other great episodes on this podcast as well that you might want to check in with. So thank you guys all for listening and letting me do this thing that I love to do. And namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. Thank you so much again, and
1: namaste. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show.